0: Would you turn back to Genesis 37, Lynn and I are going to take a few days uh, this week to celebrate our 40th anniversary, 40 years of pure marital bliss, <laughs> being married to somebody like me, what else could it be? Everybody knows better than that, I can see. but uh, Aaron Greenleaf will be bringing the message this Wednesday night. Verse 3 of Genesis chapter 37, I'm preaching on the betrayal of Joseph. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat. Of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him, and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now this increases their hatred, and Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here, I pray you this dream which I have dreamed, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance, worshipped my sheaf. And the brethren and his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more. For his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I've dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars worshiped me. And I have no doubt that the sun and the moon refer to his mom and dad and that. The 11 stars refer to his brethren, but he is still saying all of the created universe is going to bow down and worship me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him. And said unto him, "What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth?" Well yeah, they will. And his brethren ended him, but his fathers observe, his father observed the saying. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren. Now remember, these are the brethren that hated Joseph. Joseph knew of their hatred to him very clearly. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren. Feed the flock and Shechem. Come and I will send thee unto them. And he said, Here am I. This expresses his willingness to go to these men who hated him. Verse 14, He said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent him. Out of the veil of Hebron, and that word means communion and fellowship. A place of safety and security and rejoicing. Unto Shechem, the place of the burden. Shoulder the burden is what the word means. Now he's to leave the presence of his father his favor he's going to go to his brethren who hated him and he's going to bear a burden verse 15 and a certain man found him and behold he was wandering in the field in faithfulness looking for his brethren and the man asked him saying what seekest thou and he said i seek my brethren Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They're departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, now I'm sure that Joseph had been uh, discussed during this time. And his dreams, his presumptuous dreams had been brought up. And they talked about how wrong he was and how despicable he was in thinking that he would be their Lord and that they would bow the knee to him. And I'm sure they had a lot to say about their little brother Joseph, don't you? We're already told they hated him. And they hated him yet the more, and they hated him yet the more, and on some levels you can see why. How would you feel if your little brother came up to you and said, you're going to bow in the dirt at my feet. And the sun and the moon and the stars are going to bow down and worship me. If you heard your little brother say that, you would be infuriated. And they were. They hated him. Verse 18, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Here's our opportunity. He's away from our father. We've got him to ourselves. We can put him to death. That is how bad they hated this man. They wanted him dead. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say, they come up with their alibi, some evil beast hath devoured him, and we will see what shall become of his dreams. And Reuben heard. He was the firstborn. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Reuben's the only one who didn't want his death. This one who Jacob said was unstable as water, well, he didn't want Joseph put to death. And so he sought a way to keep this from happening because he knew exactly what his brother's intentions were. And Reuben heard and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that's in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. That was his purpose. He wanted to deliver him from his murderous brethren and bring him back to his father Jacob. Verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat. His coat of many collars that was on him. You know, every time they saw him in that coat, it irritated them. This is the coat our father gave him to show us that he's the favored one. Oh, how they look forward to this opportunity to strip this coat off of this one they hated. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. We don't know how deep the pit was, but he couldn't climb out of it. And they sat down to eat bread. (laughs) This gives us some idea of the cruelty of these men. They cast him into a pit. And we know that uh, at this time from verse 21 of chapter 42, and this is when they thought they were in trouble, they said one to another, we're verily guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the anguish of his soul. And when he besought us and we, we would not hear, therefore this distress come upon us. They said, look, what comes around, goes around comes around, Lord's getting us. But evidently while they were sitting there eating supper, He was crying. Didn't bother them, let him suffer in the pit without water. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. Now, before I go on reading, uh, some 200 years before. This took place. God appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. And he said, no of a surety, your seed is going to a strange land. And they're going to be persecuted. They're going to be mistreated for 400 years. And afterwards, I'll bring them out. Now, this is how they go to that strange land. This is how Joseph goes to Egypt. According to God's purpose. Now, one of the glorious things about this story and about every event of life is God controls everything. And it's not difficult. He doesn't have to scratch his head to figure out how to bring all this to come to pass. He's God. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows all. He's all-wise. He's omnipresent. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. And this was his way of sending Joseph to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, verse 26, they saw these merchants going down to Egypt and Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? This is not going to benefit us financially. What profit? Let's make us a little cash on this deal. And We can sell him for the price of a slave, and we won't be guilty of killing him either. This is a good deal. I don't know whether that's worse than killing him, but that was his idea. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. They were satisfied. That sounds good. We'll sell him as a slave. We'll make some money, and we'll come up with our alibi with our father. Then there passed by Midianites, merchant men, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. Remember, he's the one who wanted to keep this from happening. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat that they despised so much, and killed the kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father. And said, this have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Now they knew exactly whose coat it was. And how cruel this was to their father. And he knew. And said, it's my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent into pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. Now that's an interesting picture, isn't it? We want to comfort you. Well, you're the ones who sold him into Egypt. How phony, how heartless and all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him but he refused to be comforted and he said for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning I'm never going to get over this the only thing that would comfort him is if Joseph was restored to him little did he know Fifteen years later, it would take place. Thus his father wept for him, and the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. Joseph goes from being the father's favorite and the comforts of his father to being sold as a slave into a land that he didn't know one single person. How horrible that must have been. How he was wronged. You've been wronged before. I've been wronged before, but never like this. How he was wronged by his brethren. Now, this story is a beautiful type of the gospel. It really did happen. This is a historical event. This isn't just some literary device. This is a historical narrative of what actually took place. Joseph was sent by his father for the welfare of his brothers his brothers who hated him what makes you, what, what do you think of Christ was sent by his father for the welfare of his brothers who hated him and notice, this is very important. Christ was sent by his father for his brethren. Joseph was sent for his brethren, What not he? His brethren. Christ was sent for his brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ did not come for all of the sons of Adam. He didn't come in a generic sense. He came for his brethren. Now I want you to think of the intimacy of that term, brethren. Whom he did foreknow, speaking of God the Father, toward the elect. Whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All of God's people are eternally his brethren, eternally united to him. Now the reason we want to make a point of this is the scripture does, and this is a reminder to us, that the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is not in vain. Everybody he comes for, he saves. There will not be anybody in hell that's one of his brethren. It's not going to happen. He came for his brethren. And Joseph did so willingly. He said to his father when his father told him to go to his brethren, remember these guys hated him and he knew it. They couldn't speak peaceably to him. They didn't have anything good at all to say to him. And he said, here my Father. Here am I. I want you to think of the willingness of the Lord Jesus Christ to come to save his brethren, people like me and you. The Lord Jesus knew of our hatred of him and yet he came for us willingly. And he knew all that that entailed. He still said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God. He came so willingly. He said, no man taketh my life from me. I'm not a victim. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up. This commandment have I received of my father. Everything he did, he did willingly. Verse 16, and he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They're departed hence, for lo, I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren, the same ones who hated him, and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. We'll see what shall become of his dreams. Now, what I want to remind you of, here's what I'm guilty of. Here's what you're guilty of. The murder of the Son of God. That puts my sin in perspective anyone says well I'm not that bad you're worse you are guilty I am guilty of murdering the son of God my sins were the reason of his death God the father killed him he was no victim God the father provided him as the sin bearing substitute but my sins that's why I died and somebody says well I, I'm not like those brethren I don't hate the Lord Jesus Christ you might not hate the Christ you've made up that you feel comfortable with, that you've got in your back pocket and you can um, uh, manipulate him and get him to do this and get him, but that Christ is non-existent. The Christ of the Bible is the one who, verse 8, and his brethren said unto him, shalt thou indeed reign over us or shalt thou have indeed have dominion over us. That's the Christ of the Bible, the one who reigns over you right now and has complete dominion over you right now, and you're in his hand, you will bow to him, either now willingly or sometime unwillingly, but he's your Lord. He has dominion over you. You are in his hand. Your eternal destiny is up to him. You have no control. Now, everybody's by nature a control freak. We like to think we can control something that you and i can control nothing we are in his hand and my dear friends that's a good place to be that's the only hope men you have really he can be pleased to extend his mercy to us lord have mercy on me that's the only response But they conspired his death. They hated him because of his dreams. This is the universal hiss of mankind. We will not have this man reign over us. Verse 21 And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that's in the wilderness. And lay no hand upon him that he might rid him of their hands to deliver him again to his father. Now, this pit represents the pit Christ went into in his death. Now, what all happened during those three days, we don't know. But I know this. He never went through the process of decay. And I know that when he died, all of the elect were Justified. But this pit with no water, what is one of the sayings of the Lord from the cross? I thirst. This pit with no water. And it came to pass, verse 23. When Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat. I'm sure with mocking and taunting. Ah, where does this get you now that you're away from our father? What good is this coat going to do you now? They stripped him of it. And I don't know how to say this. I say this with fear and trembling. But when the Lord was nailed to that cross, he was stripped of his coat. He was stripped of his righteousness when he was made sin as the sinner's substitute. Do I understand that? Of course not. Do I believe it with all my heart? He was stripped. He was stripped that we might be clothed. verse 24 and they took him they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty there was no water in it and they sat down to eat bread how hard hearted are you and I we can hear the gospel it means nothing to us unless God the Holy Spirit makes it known to us and we'll Sit down and eat bread, have a good time. And they sat down to eat bread and lifted up their eyes and looked and behold a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. They sold him for the price of a common slave. Do we know someone else who was Sold for 30 pieces of silver. The Lord Jesus Christ. Come, let us sell into the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. We don't want to be guilty of that. That kind of makes me think of uh, the Pharisees, when uh, they, they, they didn't want to be, they didn't want to crucify him on on the Passover day. They didn't want his, Bodies stay there unless they be defiled. Well, they can kill the son of God, but they're going to make sure they're not defiled. You know, that's the way these people are. We're going to make sure we're not guilty of his blood anyway. We'll just sell him and get rid of him, and he'll be sent to Egypt. And his brethren were content. Then there passed by the Midianites, merchantmen and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver and they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned into the pit and behold, Joseph was not in the pit and he rent his clothes and he returned to his brother and said, The child is not and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. Do you remember John's vision of Christ in John chapter 19 where he saw one in a vesture dipped in blood? And he had written on it And on his thigh this name, King of kings, and Lord of lords. A vesture dipped in blood that he still wears. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew. I don't know how to say this, and I'm speaking about things that I really can't enter into, but I know that are so. Was the Lord unmoved by the suffering of his son? Did he cease to love him at that time? Oh, I think of the Father. Pouring his wrath on his only begotten and well beloved Son. I don't even know what to say about that. Other than God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. He never stopped being Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Even while he was on the cross, he died as a king. Everything that took place, took place because of his direction, because of him causing it. Christ was stripped That we might be clothed. Amazing love. How can it be. That thou my God. Shouldst die. For me. The love of the father to give his son. The love of the son to give himself. What justice God displayed. In not letting sin go unpunished. What love he displayed in giving his son! Verse thirty-five. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, for he said, "I will not go down and I will I will go down into the grave and to my son mourning." Thus his father wept for him, but he didn't know. He didn't know his son would be returned to him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. Now let me close by making a bunch of statements that are connected together that I believe will bring this whole story into some understanding. If Joseph's family was not so messed up, they would have never sold him. If they did not sell him, he wouldn't go down to Egypt. If he didn't go to Egypt, he would not be sold to Potiphar. If he were never sold to Potiphar, he would never be accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. If there was no accusation of rape, he would not be thrown into prison. If he were not thrown into prison, he would never meet the butler and the baker. If he never met the butler and the baker, there would be no interpretation of their dreams. If he didn't interpret the dreams of the butler and baker, they wouldn't be able to tell Pharaoh of this one they met in prison who interpreted their dreams. If he would have never interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, he would never have been the prime minister of Egypt. If he were not the prime minister of Egypt, he could not wisely prepare for the famine that he found out was coming through those dreams. If he'd not prepared for the famine to come, his family, all of his brothers, would die of starvation. And Judah would have never been survived. The one through whom the Christ would come, the Messiah. But everything did take place according to God's perfect providence. And they're going to find out that everything they did, God was using for their salvation. Now let me read a couple of passages in Genesis 45 once. This is when Joseph makes himself known to his brethren. They didn't know who he was until this time. Genesis 45, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by. And he cried, cause every man to go out for me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Can you imagine how they felt? Doth my father yet live? And his brethren couldn't answer him. For they were troubled at his presence. Here's what they thought. Time's come for us to pay for what we've done. We're going to get killed out of all of this. What goes around comes around. We are in big trouble and Joseph said unto his brethren come near to me I pray you and they came near and he said I am Joseph your brother whom you sold into Egypt (laughs) he hadn't forgotten it he brings it up doesn't he I remember what you guys did Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall be neither earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you. In all your wicked, treacherous plotting and conspiracy to kill me, God was in control of all of it. God sent me before you to preserve you of posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So, now, it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Remember, he's the first cause of everything. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Years later, chapter 50. This is after Jacob's death. And they think, "Uh uh-oh. Our dad's been our only buffer. Now that he's gone... Surely Joseph will get us now. Verse 15, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee, now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto the evil... And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. You know, I don't believe Jacob ever told them that. Maybe he did. But I think they were just making up something at this time to save their skin. Maybe he did. But we're not told where he did. And this seems the way these fellows think. And Joseph went and Joseph wept. When they spake unto him, and his brethren also sent and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me. There's no way you can justify your actions. Your intent was evil. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day. To save much people alive. Now therefore fear you not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them. And spake kindly unto them. You know what he did? He preached the gospel to them. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word. Lord, by your grace, we know this is your word. How we thank you for the portrait you've painted for us of your son in this man, Joseph. How we thank you for him whom Joseph represents, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we ask in Christ's name that you would speak comfortably and in kindness to each one here and reveal yourself to us for Christ's sake. And as we prepare to observe thy table, Lord, please, by your grace, enable us to do this in remembrance of him in remembrance of his being our surety before time began, in remembrance of him living a perfect life, keeping your law, in remembrance of him dying as the sin-bearing substitute, taking our sins upon him, and his body being broken and crushed under your wrath. Enable us to remember him in his resurrection being raised for our justification, enable us to remember him in his ascension back into your presence as our great high priest and intercessor. We thank you for him. In his name we pray.